even if you're not on a managerial level, it makes sense for team leaders, for example, like, you know, not just, just within your own team, but still then to keep an open eye out or for a senior expert within a team to actually broaden their scope because marketing nowadays is so interconnected. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Richard. And I'm Benedict. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of uh, welcoming Annabelle Atchison from Ionos with us today. Um, Annabelle, lovely to have you here. Thank you. Would you like to give the audience a little intro into yourself and your background? My name is Annabelle Atchison. I'm head of communications for Ionos. We are um, the biggest web hosting and cloud provider from Europe. And with us, you can get everything, you know, to become successful online. So starting with your domain, all the way up to cloud infrastructure, we've got it all. So uh, we've got a, a really enthusing topic today. Uh, Benny, do you want to introduce us to the provocative truth? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we all know now, we start with the provocative truth. You know, whether or not you agree with it, of course, is, is your discretion. But from our perspective, when we're looking at the sort of the skill sets of the modern marketer and how marketing is kind of formed now into a number of different disciplines and there's a number of different technical skill sets. I think that there's quite a strong argument to say that the days of the or the age rather of the generalist within marketing is over. And actually, it's all about having those specialisms which can really drive you forward as a sort of a collective team. So that's the provocative truth I'm going to put to you, Annabelle. But um, very, very welcome your thoughts or potential disagreements with that. Yeah, and as you're already putting it, I, I do have, uh, I do disagree with that uh, provocative truth. I mean, yes, um, we see that marketing needs specialists. We see that marketing nowadays needs um, intelligent people that really know what they're doing in their uh, individual disciplines. But honestly, looking at myself and looking at, um, I mean, how I would hire a CMO for a company, I would definitely not want this person to just be a specialist. I think if you really want to succeed in marketing nowadays, if you have you know, any sort of ambitions to um, lead more than just your one team, more than your one discipline, what you have to become as a generalist, especially when you're looking at communications, which is my field, um, you have to be able to really tie in all the different disciplines. You have to come up with a strategy. You have to come up with a coherent concept that touches on display that touches on SEO, that touches on PR, that touches on organic social, that touches on um, even the sales side of things. So I think my provocative truth is to really be a successful marketer nowadays, you can also be a, a generalist. Interesting. And I, I want to just sort of follow up. I mean, I think that you you name check there, like, you know, making sure that you have that sort of ability in terms of understanding SEO, um, probably implicitly in what you were saying is you understand sort of MarTech and how to build sort of a successful sort of um, tech stack. So my question to you is that given that is an, such an important part of the overall composition of being that successful generalist, in addition to understanding brand, in addition to understanding strategy, 
How many CMOs do you think actually qualify as a generalist in the description that you have just given at the moment? I, well, I mean, that's a very good point. When you look at, um, when you look at what's being sought out in the market nowadays, at least, you have a lot of companies looking for a performance-driven CMO because they think that's the answer to most everything, right? Mm -hmm. So you need someone that can optimize the s out of out of all the channels you can just optimize 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 <laughs> we're not pg Whereas, rated you it's all right it's all right you can, you can add the last three letters it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and i might i might later on in the conversation yeah. <laughs> i'm sure there there'll be another topic that i want to yeah. be expletive on so um but when you look at like 10 15 years ago i think then companies were looking for the big brand brains right you were looking to hire people that had like the big creative and strategic mm. ideas and the big vision and i think nowadays you have kind of a mix of the two you have a lot of people that are very performance optimized at the helm of things and kind of uh, goes with the nature of the business or you have these more old schooly uh, kind of people at the at the helm as a cmo that are more brand driven and they don't really care about much of the rest, it seems like. But I think that's not the future. That shouldn't be the future. When you look at, or you should at least have people in like your, you know, second line of command that can really connect the dots and make sensible, um, like holistic concepts and really bring a marketing organization together. I mean, I listened to a bunch of these podcasts <laughs> in preparation. Very of educational, course, a bunch of, highly yes, educational and, podcasts. And really, yeah. and really interesting people and really interesting, you know, um, um, ideas that they brought forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I don't have to tell you guys, right? Data is super important and it's super important that you have a strategy. It's super important that you touch along the entire funnel. It's very important that you know who you're speaking to, that you do all this research. And sure, you can do that in each individual discipline. But what I've really found is the glue that holds all these disciplines together is going to be the generalist, is going to be great, I mean, project managers, but with a strategic mindset on top, with a managerial strategic mindset on top. So I don't see that um, just a specialist um, generally is going to be able to, uh, just a a specialist is going to be able to do that. I think the extra degree that I think I'd like to unpick a little bit is what classes as a generalist? Is it someone that's practiced being a a Mm. generalist throughout their marketing career? Or do they have a specific area of focus throughout the junior and mm-hmm. mid levels of their career and then gain that you know helicopter view and and the more overarching uh, generalist hat uh, as they kind of uh, go up the ranks how 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 do you think that that plays out in in modern marketing context so when i look at myself as an example i started out in pr i started out with a, a specialist discipline And then I very quickly moved on to social media, kind of branched out there. That then led me to social media marketing. That then led me to advertising. That then led me to, um, you know, creating strategies, creating concepts overall, and kind of bridging all these gaps. And internal comms, of course, as well, which is, I think, an often overlooked part of successful marketing overall. So most likely, I would say most of the cases would be you start out in a specialist discipline because that's also what you're comfortable with, right? When you get out of university or out of school or whatever, you're like, what's what strikes my fancy? What do I know how to do well? And then you kind of work off from there. But um, you need to make sure, you should make sure that you actually look into these different disciplines and 
being a generalist doesn't mean that you have to um, dig deep or dive deep into these disciplines, of course, like um, social advertising. I taught myself on a Saturday afternoon when I first started out, I taught myself Facebook ads. But then at that point, I knew enough about the general concept of Facebook ads years ago to uh, actually build sensible concepts for back then my clients um, that would enable us to come up with creative ideas or come up with campaigns that would then also work on advertising. And then, of course, you kind of continue to tinker on and then you become better at it. I mean, of course, I'm not an SEO expert and I'm not, you know, now I would say I've, I'm not even an um, advertising expert because there's a lot of people that just do performance a lot more uh, in their daily business than I do. But I know enough about all these disciplines and I keep current enough about all these things that I can really come up with integrated plans and integrated concepts. It's interesting in terms of you talked around the sort of the, the self-learning in terms of how you can sort of build that generous skill set. Because my question was going to be is that, as I said at the top of the call, like we are moving towards some very, very highly technical specialized skill sets. And I'm just wondering in terms of the way that modern marketing departments are currently set up, whether if you're coming in and starting your marketing career, are you given those opportunities to experience all of those different areas or culturally are we ending up trying to sort of send people down certain sort of tracks too soon? Um, Cause one of the, I think the most powerful sort of like things you can do early in your career is to experience different things, which is why something like a graduate program works so well. I'm, yes. I'm a massive, massive advocate, but yeah, from your perspective, do you feel culturally in marketing, we are trying to pigeonhole people too early? That might be a provocative truth. I would agree with <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that, I think. Yes. Um, yes. I think that's also, it comes with uh, this whole notion of you're getting the big bucks when you're a specialist in whatever field you're in, right? People want to become, or, or this whole notion of I'm paying my dues at the beginning of my career. I'm actually trying out stuff. I'm sitting down on the weekend and I'm just doing it for fun and doing it for myself. Does not translate into I'm making uh, giant paychecks right at the beginning of my career, right, uh, right outside of university. And I think we've been in a market where it was very um, tough to find good people globally uh, for the last few years in respective disciplines to really find people that know what they're talking about. So that kind of perpetuated this narrative that if you want to get good jobs, get great money right away, you need to be super specialist Thanks, in whatever yeah. it is that you're doing. Um, and that really, yeah, pigeonholed us into not um, allowing people to experiment as much as they could mm -hmm. have. But, but I will also say, um, in my experience, you still have people, um, if it's in their character to experiment and to kind of shape their role into whatever they want to be. I've never found an organization saying, absolutely no, you cannot work on this other team or you cannot you know, contribute to whatever project if someone really wanted to do this. Um, so I would say the structurally we're not doing us a favor but personally you can absolutely try to make it happen even nowadays as a starter in marketing to get these different exposures. And, and as a leader, so, you know, tomorrow you hire someone in social or, or SEO, um, obviously they, they've got 
uh, a job to do and they've got KPIs to hit for, for that role in, in question. And they've probably trained potentially for that specialism or, 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 you know, had certain modules of their degree that specialized in that. Um, how would you make sure that you are nurturing these individuals to really understand that they can be a specialist, but also need to be a generalist, as you're saying, to rise up the ranks maybe potentially more quickly like have you got any advice you'd give to marketers listening to this podcast to make sure that you keep those types of doors ajar for more junior employees that they're hiring into the businesses what i do is i actively involve my team members into different projects so as a senior leader in our organization I do a lot of lateral leadership. So I'm, you know, go into a lot of like, I'll go into the brand calls or I'll go into the online marketing calls or I'll go into pitch presentations or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, consult, bring our perspective and to really make sure that my, my team members, even junior team members also have those opportunities to keep that in mind, to include them, to give, uh, you know, responsibility for certain projects to those team members and pair them up with members from other, from other disciplines is very practically what I do to make sure that they get exposure, that they network within the organization, that they see what's happening in other teams. And when you and I previously spoke, we spoke about the vital importance of truly enjoying and loving what you do mm -hmm. um how do you ensure that you know like uh, i've come in uh, all i know is seo you know i enjoy doing seo um it, it, I, but i also enjoy working with other colleagues like how do you make sure that there's that sense of enjoyment understanding that there's a wider uh, role that marketing can play ac across an organization with more junior talent. So I thought about, since we talked about it, I thought about this, uh, you have to really love what you do. And I just, because I knew we would be speaking again, and it just kind of sat with me. And I was like, yes, your life is infinitely more enjoyable. <laughs> your life is, your work is easier if you really enjoy what you do, especially as a comms professional when you your job is to write copy or to like come up with creative concepts when it comes from the heart that's nicer uh but of course i mean it's also a little bit of this hustle culture so obviously you can still do a good job if you don't love what you do right you can still be still be involved but that just as an aside because i i was waiting for today to, to kind of dive dive into that again but your actual question was, how do I make sure that people enjoy or, or see the benefit or see their value contribution? So I'm a big proponent of when, of, as a manager, as a people leader, trying to be a bridge between those teams and often kind of being a moderator and sitting in to some of these calls in the beginning and just kind of really making sure that as a generalist that I am, uh, I... I get them to see like you're doing this on this side and you're doing that on that side. But actually, if you now throw it together, it's going to be infinitely better. You're, go you're going to learn from each other and kind of kicking that off. So that's a very like hands-on thing that I do. And then internal promotion of successes. That's just um, when, when you have teams that work together across different disciplines, when you have these cross-functional projects, really making sure that you celebrate that after the fact, that it's, it becomes more of a norm culturally to really sit together and work together. And, and the, you know, the sum is more than the individual pieces. I think that's how the saying goes. 
Maybe not. Some is greater than the parts. Yeah, don't ask me. Don't ask me. Yeah, if you ever you want to meet a man that mixes his metaphors, uh, it's uh, Richard Hadler. So I'd have been very intrigued to know what his version of that would have been. I would have said something completely, completely <laughs> off piece there. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I really like how you've described that role as a, as a leader, as as a bridge, or that sort of facilitator in terms of. Getting sure, making sure that people are platformed in the right way, also giving people that sort of exposure and experience. But sort of taking it back to the sort of the strict skill sets and capabilities wise, from your observations, are the sort of current cohort of people coming into marketing, and especially those that might be sort of more focused on that performance marketing aspect where, you know, that analytical, you know, mind is so, so important. Do they actually have the fundamental skill sets and mindsets that are required to achieve that sort of generalist um, level that you were talking about? You know, are they able to actually conceptualize on a sort of a big level or are we ending up with this sort of situation where the people coming into marketing aren't necessarily the right people to have that full breadth or maybe marketing has just got too broad? It's always... It's always uh, difficult to, I mean, generalize like that. We know there could be super talented analytic people that are also creative geniuses. You you never know. But Mm. very broadly, very broadly (laughs) speaking, if we we turn it into a provocative truth and be very broad about it, I would say, yeah, I no, I no. I don't see. I don't know. You said yes. You said yes. I said, I said, I said, yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, it's, I would, I would land on the side of, um, it's, it was needed for marketing for many, many years that we have more numbers oriented people, more analytical Mm -hmm. people come in and kind of steer us in, uh, not just creative, but also really high performing directions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's not a bad thing for marketing overall as a discipline. I don't think every one of those analytical marketers really wants to become a generalist. That's also not that something everyone has to aspire to. Um, and then I would put it down to just an individual basis and say, are you, do you even want that? Do you want to branch out? Do you want to have a, a career? And do you want it to be a generalist career? Do you maybe just want to, mm. you know, become a, um, an expert, even more of an expert in your field. But no, I don't think it's destroying destroying our marketing. It is, it is interesting, though, because you raise a good point, Benny. Like, um, maybe we're only having this conversation because there have been many more disciplines introduced into marketing over the last 15 years. And the reason for that is to become more tech-orientated, more data-reliant, um, than it ever used to be, right? Um, and with that technical transformation and uh, the digital transformation will inevitably result in many more different disciplines. Uh, and you can say the same for other functions within organisations as well. The fact that we're talking about um you know, being generalist or being specialist is a topic that is discussed amongst marketers. But maybe my argument is this is a natural conversation. And actually... The conversation is, no matter who you are in business, no matter what department or function you work in, the further you go rise up the ladder, whether in finance, HR, sales, marketing, you always need to be more generalist. You always need to be thinking about the decisions you make 
for your team and your organization based on a much wider, more macro picture, because that's what the business needs you to do. So I suppose my point is, are we having this conversation about marketing? Because obviously this is a marketing podcast, but actually it's just natural that uh, the higher up uh, uh, the business you go, the more senior you get, the more generalist you need to be, the more you need to be thinking about the different subsections of your team, but also the, the macro business needs. I, I would say absolutely, <laughs> absolutely on the head in terms of that's just generally what managers have to do, that, what, you just, what you just elaborated to. But I, I did think it was a very valid question also for marketing because even if you're not on a managerial level, it makes sense for team leaders, for example, like, you know, not just, just within your own mm. team, but still then to keep an open eye out or for a senior expert within a team to actually broaden their scope because marketing nowadays is so interconnected. Like you, I mean, I don't have to tell you, ideally the entire customer journey is just one flowing, amazing uh, experience that you provide for your customers, potential customers. And to make that happen, we all have to talk. We all have to align. We all have to understand what, what is the other one doing? How does that affect what I'm doing? Where's the handoff from one touch point mm. to the next? So to some extent, it's having all these disciplines rush in into marketing these last few years has been very good, but it's also meant that you need more alignment uh, in general yeah. so i do think i, I think so and look i actually my sort of nuanced position on it is uh, it's it's a reality that the further you go up the the pyramid naturally you're going to have responsibility for everything beneath you um so therefore that demands you to be a generous but what i don't what i think is that you need to ha be conversant you've got to have an understanding of what those are but actually i think it comes back to what you were saying earlier is that you need to be that bridge you need to be that effective coordinator and in theory, anyway, good leaders or good managers, you could take them out of their discipline completely and parachute them into some other discipline. And as long as they have the right people around them and they know how to extract the right information and strategically to sort of coordinate, you can actually get those the results that you need. Um, but my sort of unconscious of time, but my very final question is that we've and understandably, we're focused in on the sort of like hard skill sets and, you know, people from an analytical background versus a strategic background versus a creative background or whatever it might be. But I also think that it would be remiss of us not to talk about um, other dimensions of being a generalist. And what I mean by that is around representation. Mm -hmm. And given that we work in marketing is all effectively connecting abstract brands to human beings and that audience is, you know, naturally diverse and, you know, pretty positively is becoming more and more diverse um, as society sort of evolves. So from your perspective, are the profile of marketers that are coming in at the moment, are you seeing them more representative of society at whole in the way that they need to be? Or are we still seeing that there is a lack of diversity, whether that's from a sort of a uh, gender perspective, ethnic background perspective, socioeconomic perspective? What's your take on that? Yes, I do see a discrepancy into what reality actually is and how marketing teams look, uh, what marketing teams look like. Absolutely. We, as an industry, 
marketing industry overall, tech industry um, that I've been involved in for the past 15 years. Mm. We have um, made great strides to be more inclusive and to, to foster more diversity, but we've still got a long ways to go. I think very succinctly put, but I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. But I think it's something that we, we need to constantly think about. Now, whilst, you know, marketing is ultimately, it's an exercise of getting into your audience's mind, and that can be done through sort of intellectual process and, you know, a degree of intuition. But ultimately, I think that we should try to get to a point where marketing is, in some respects anyway, is representative or at least is mirroring the target audience. So you can have that actual sort of true intuitive understanding and have that nuance to the messaging that you're creating to make sure that you're engaging, engaging that audience. So I think that's something really worthwhile keeping in mind when we're sort of shaping future marketing teams. Well, I mean, yes, but then again, no, because (laughs) (laughs) if you look at brands that are um, not, I mean, we are moving more and more towards a world where a brand needs to stand for values, where you have, mm. it's, it's not just, you know, buy my product. It's very much like, who am I buying my product from? Why am I buying it from them, et cetera. Multiple people on this podcast have talked about this before. Um, and so when you have this very clear target audience focus, this very clear persona that you're marketing to, I think it would be a mistake to just hire these people as your marketing team to mirror your target audience to make sure that you have that intuition into your mm. into your audience uh, within your teams. There's a lot of other instruments that can give those insights mm. to you, and I of agree. course, you should not not hire your target yeah. audience yeah. at all. But it should be but a mix. I, it, it should, should be, be a mix. definitely, yeah, definitely. But I mean, be I think mix. so. When I was saying mirror, I don't obviously mean a, a light flight mirror, but. What I think that we need to be very sort of conscious of, and you know, there's a lot of consciousness of this within um, the tech sector, especially when you look at how AI de- is developed and the inherent biases which are actually sort of put AI development. Like we all know there's absolutely appalling sort of statistics in terms of yes. facial recognition of a, of a, you know, a white Anglo-Saxon male and a woman from African descent, for instance. Like it's absolutely, you know, abhorrent. So I think that it's it's something within marketing that you know we need to make sure that we we don't have those unconscious biases sometimes which will be fed into our um, sort of like messaging, you know. And there's there's you know myriad sort of examples of advertising going wrong where something on the face of it seemed like a great idea. Obviously that works, but because you're not actually understanding the particular community that you're trying to target, there is that sort of tone deafness that sort of comes through. So that's kind of where I'm sort of coming from in terms of how do you sort of sort of bridge that? And I think that we're looking at a more sort of diverse or representative marketing team is one way in which we, that can be achieved. Diversity in the marketing team, like I think we all agree. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah. isn't that, you know, that's, what pa- that's why panels exist. That's why uh, research exists. That's why... Um, you know, other things exist. Like that's one, the team that you have in house is one kind of part of a very large uh, kind of uh, moving machine. Um, I mean, you know, an example is, well, what if you're, uh, I don't know, uh, Harry Bow and, uh, you know, you've got suites that are primarily aimed at kids. You can't just have loads of kids in your, in your marketing organization. So like it, 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 I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. I must say, like I think it's, it's no, it's not cut and dry, but I think it, it's it's definitely. So I think it's 
it growing in terms of the awareness of this idea of inherent biases because even if you don't go through focus groups absolutely you need to be sort of understanding it it's how you then interpret those signals that you are being given and that's where you know completely unconsciously and undeliberately there can be that sort of misinterpretation just because everyone has a certain way of viewing the world and interpreting sort of information so um yeah i i think that it's it, it's something which we, is definitely needs to be considered as well You've come from a Marcom's background. Yeah. So one thing I would like to hear from you really is how you think that the Marcom's landscape as a whole has changed over the last decade. When you look at 10, 12 years ago, there was this great paradigm shift in communications overall where you went from one voice policy in companies to this one story, many voices, because everyone went on social, everyone wanted to talk, people started not listening to media anymore, as much anymore. Um, they they want to hear from employees themselves. And so taking that wind, and then of course, looking at how our analytics have, have evolved, how um, we, we now have even more information at our fingertips, how we can communicate even quicker and just own more of the channels and, and really turn ourselves into broadcasting houses to some extent. Um, when I look at the role of, of Marcoms of communications now, it's, it's uh, we're storytellers, right? We need to make sure that we get everyone behind the vision and behind the story and we can't get as hung up as much as we used to do on are we using the exact right word? Are we using, is everyone using the exact right phrase? And um, that's really, in a nutshell, what I think marketing uh, communications, Marcoms has, has evolved into. I thought it was a really good overview of, uh, of, of Marcoms. I think um, it was, it's really interesting to hear from, from your standpoint. Um, I suppose one last question for me in regards to that. Um, if you were giving anyone advice that was looking to go into uh, a comms uh, career tomorrow, what advice would that be? Well, if I were to give advice, um, I would say do find something that you can get behind. Do find a company that you can get behind and products that you're semi-excited about or at least the potential of these products that you're that you can get excited about. It's, it makes your day infinitely easier and infinitely nicer and your work, you know, so much better in my opinion, if it is something that you, that you think has the potential to really truly change, sounds cheesy, but change the lives of the people uh, that use them. I mean, and go into the tech industry. I mean, come come and join us because tech is where no. the future happens. Marketing yes. agencies that work with tech firms. Yes. Sure. That's that's close <laughs> enough. That's close enough. No, but it's where the future happens, right? It's where you can actually shape the future and where you really shape innovation and where you can really get people excited. I mean, I think of the tech industry or the, the developments of the tech industry and especially what we do as the great liberation for people, the great equalizer, because now tech has become so accessible that you don't have to depend on an employer. You don't have to depend on media. I mean, we, we love media. We love our journalists, but you don't have to do it. You can be, you can just be yourself and you, you, you can compete with big multinational corporations if you have a great idea and if you get on social or if you have a good, great online marketing strategy, you can do online commerce, whatever it is, you can get your idea online and you can, you know, 
become successful with it if that's what you want. And seeing with the pandemic, you know, how, how uh, astronomically tech has been adopted, digitization has been adopted just over the entire, you know, entire societies that were in Germany, I live in Germany, a little hesitant maybe in the past <laughs> few years to really, really step into digital. It's been, it's been wonderful and it's been inspiring. So yeah. I would say it makes it a lot easier if you pick someone yeah. that you're excited I, about. No, I can, I can completely concur about that. I think that you're talking there around how technology effectively has democratized information um, and being involved in that democratization um, is a good place to be. Now, clearly there are downsides to that democratization as we have seen numerous of times, naming no sort of uh, infamous Americans' names um, or other people for that matter. But yeah, really, really exciting. So Wag the Dog for those, it's an old movie. I don't know, have you guys seen it? Wag the Dog? No. I haven't. Oh, my God. We're probably a different generation, even though I'm (laughs) only in my 30s. But Wag the Dog, that would be my, that actually brought me to switch from journalism to PR way back when. It's when this amazing movie about um, the president of the United States being caught in a scandal, and then they produce this entire war, fictional war, to distract to distract from it. And at the time when I saw the movie, I was living in the United States in the flyover country. So my family's from the Midwest there. And I could see it in action with, I think it was the Iraq war back then. And um, so wag the dog. I've always wanted to be more on the side of the creators and the people that know what's happening and how communication and opinion is made versus the side that just receives it. Definitely. There we go. So if you haven't already checked it out, wag the dog. Uh, I will have a look. But I love the way you described uh, marketing then. And I actually think it would. Well, I actually think or individuals, I actually think it extends to marketing. My experience over the last 10 years, certainly since, you know, we I started in this world and having a slightly separated view, you know, um, running a marketing agency, you see marketers in action, right? And you see the the troubles that they face and the hurdles they need to overcome. And I would go as far to say, uh, to take your words, that marketing in general over the last decade has become more liberated. Uh, I think it's a really good way of, of describing it. Fantastic. Uh, Madeline, you've got such an edit to do. Uh, I'm so sorry about this. Uh, so one final question we love to uh, ask all of our guests, Annabelle, is um, when was the last time you saw a piece of marketing that made you feel it in your guts? Um, That is a very, very tough question, actually. When I think about, we're in a B2B marketing podcast and thinking about a piece of B2B marketing that I really felt. And honestly, off the top of my head, I really can't think of one that really sticks with me, that's really great visceral like in your gut b2b marketing but what i always get go back to you know the when i think of great examples that have really touched me and have stayed with me for years and years and it's not b2b marketing it's this tv spot where a bear is it you see a a person in a bear costume and the person the bear in like a you know pedestrian zone hugs opens their arms and wants to hug people and all these people go and you see happy faces and all these people run to him and want to hug him. And then eventually he takes off his mask and it's a, a person with disabilities. And then you see, you know, like, why do you only hug me when I look cuddly like a teddy bear? I think it's Pro Infirmis is the, the organization that this was for, an NGO. And 
even now I get goosebumps still thinking mm. about this. And that's, I think, from 2009. So turning it back to B2B marketing, I wish we could do more B2B marketing that would stick with us and stay with us like that one YouTube video, yeah. YouTube film did for more than 10 years with me now. Well, no, I mean, that, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I can imagine it. And I, I could almost feel it sort of gutturally as you're sort of saying that. But I think, you know, that's just the power of understanding quite an uncomfortable human truth and exposing yes. that human truth. And that's something that needs to happen within B2B. Like we are, and you used the word visceral, that's absolutely the language we use. We are on a mission to make B2B marketing visceral, but it all comes down to understanding people on that human level. And until B2B really embraces that human truth concept, we're just not gonna get anywhere. And that's why it all has to come down to uh, understanding people as people. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'm going to look it up. That's uh, that's great. But actually, the way you narrated it, I don't feel I need to almost because it was, no, it was that vivid. No, but watch it. They they did yes, they did a better job. The reason we ask that question is because it, it is difficult to answer. And I suppose that's obviously prevalent for us and, and prevalent to make marketers think. Um, so fantastic. Thanks so much, Annabelle. It's lovely having you on the show. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening. <laughs>